0: Oh, fuck my L. Silly. Hey, folks, this is Kevin. On this week's episode of Risk, you'll hear Victor Vernado. And then she's like, hey, you can finger me. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) That and more. But before that, I am supposed to tell you right now that going to the post office is so old school. Yeah. that's what the copy here says, folks. Old school. You know, not like Grandmaster Flash or Cool Herc. Probably more like uh, Perry Como and Lawrence Welk. Remember Lawrence Welk? You probably don't. You probably don't remember Lawrence Welk because I'm old school. But not like the post office. I am so Mickey-fickin'-hip that I am not going to deal with the hassle of taking trips to the post office. That's why over 600,000 small businesses are already using Stamps.com to get postage right from their desks whenever they need it 24 hours a day. Stamps.com turns your computer and printer into a virtual post office. You can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Stamps.com, it's a better way to do your mailing and shipping because it's so easy to use it's convenient it lets you focus your time where you want on growing your business instead of time-consuming trips no wonder 2.6 billion dollars in postage was printed just last year alone using stamps.com jesus fucking christ is that true i said it so all right We use stamps.com at risk at the story studio and we love it. And right now you can sign up for stamps.com and use our promo code risk for this special offer. It's a four week trial plus a hundred and ten dollar bonus offer that includes Postage and a digital scale, so don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do goddamn Mickey Ficken anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in risk. That's stamps.com. Enter risk.
1: Now here's the show.
0: Hi there, hi there, hi there, hi there. <laughs> Hello kids, this is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, this is Beastie Boys, behind me now, and we are calling today's episode Naughty Bits. We're kind of back to form here. We are exactly seven years into the, well, I mean, uh, pfft. It fuck my ass. In terms of the live shows, in terms of the live shows, we're seven years into this now, and so you know the very first episode we ever did was called "Strange Sex." So here we are again with an episode that's pretty much just about strange sex. Three situations marked by erotic weirditude, carnal funk nastickness. Sensual Singularis <laughs> And all that jazz Now in a little bit we're going to hear From Sam Jay It'll be Sam Jay's first time on the podcast She is a comedian I think she's based in LA now You can find her on Twitter At Sam Jay Comic She told her story at the Risk Live Show in Los Angeles at the Bootleg Theater, it takes place there once A month, but before that We're going to hear from Victor Varnado, one of the funniest and sweetest and most wonderfully talented creative people in New York City. Victor has produced all kinds of wonderful shows, films, websites. You can find him online on Twitter at Varnado, and here he is now at the Risk Live show at the Bell House in Brooklyn, where we are also once a month, with a story we call Stir It Up!
2: everybody. So here's the thing. There's a word that I say a lot. That's okay. Okay. I say okay a lot because when people offer me choices, I'm like, okay. You know the many worlds theory? You know, every decision creates a new world. I think I'm often in the worst one. (laughs) Because I say okay so much. So, I was at a bachelor party, okay, for my friend, Greg. By the way, Greg is not his real name. So, I'm with Greg, and we are at his bachelor party, and it's starting off with a dinner at, like, a meat palace. Now, I don't know, it's, it's the restaurant... Okay, I'm calling it a meat palace. I don't know what they really call. It's a restaurant where they like bring out big slabs of meat and they hand everybody knives. And then you cut the meat like you're, it's almost like trying to make you feel like a hunter if the animals were really agreeable, dead, and well salted. But so we're at this meat palace. We're cutting off meat. We're like, we're men. Bachelor party. And we're just doing it. So, at this party is Greg, not his real name, The Bachelor. Eddie, a dude who was from Greg's high school, who was there in New York just for The Bachelor party. And Sean, one of our friends, who is like a married dude, super repressed, he never gets out, this is a special occasion. He was happy to be in the world there are a lot of other people there not important but the things you need to know is that me and Greg and most of the guys there are comedy writers okay that's all we do we're comedy writers Eddie is the wild card from out of town he's trying to impress everybody (laughs) so we're digging the meat we're having a good time then after the food is all done Eddie's like everybody I I've got it all planned out for after the dinner. Now, that's not what his voice really sounded like. But I'm using this voice because everything that he said was so crazy, we shouldn't have listened to him. All night long. So that's not his real voice. Anyway, so he says, Hey! Hey! We're going to a strip club. It's BYOB. <laughs> if you know strip clubs, even if you don't, you know that usually they're not BYOB. <laughs> I actually reached out to a friend of mine who's a stripper. I asked her like, "Hey, what are the laws in New York City?" about strip clubs, and she was like, oh, actually, you can be totally nude if the strip club is BYOB. It is actually a legal thing. However, when I asked him at the time, because I didn't know this fact, when I asked him at the time, I was like, hey, Eddie, what the... BYOB, what the hell? And, yeah, it's a legal thing, but he, like, tossed that idea away, and he was like... It's an illegal Russian strip club. <laughs> it's inside an office building. <laughs> Let's go. Now, all the other people who are unnamed in this story were like, hell no, we're out of here. I was like, okay. <laughs> So, Greg goes, Eddie goes, Sean goes, and I go. On the way, we grab, like, some beer, we grab a couple of bottles of vodka, and we go to this strip club. It is on the fifth floor of an office building on 35th Street, okay? (laughs) In New York. It's exactly where a strip club is not supposed to be! up to the fifth floor the elevator opens and uh, there's this fucking huge Russian monster dude he's just like why are you here (laughs) he looks like a fucking James Bond like side villain we freak out because we're all comedy writers we're like uh but then fucking Eddie Eddie comes forward and is like hey we're friends of Lenny (laughs) Lenny wanted us to come and the guy's like, oh, you're friends with Lenny.
3: <laughs>
2: Come in. <laughs> so we go in, but before I go any further, you should all know the entire night we never met anybody named Lenny. <laughs> there was just nobody there named Lenny. Inside this strip club, on the fifth floor of an office building, first of all, there were file cabinets pushed up against the wall. So, like, it was an office space that they were like, we're just gonna have a strip club here for a little while. They hung velvet cloth from the ceiling over, over the file cabinets. You could still see the file cabinets shape. It was like halfway temp office, halfway 1910 opium den. So in the middle of the room was a circular bed, okay? Circular bed with, like, black coverings on top of it. That'll come in a little bit later. Now, we brought beer and vodka to the illegal Russian strip club Immediately, all the strippers were like, oh my God, you guys are the best. Because apparently, even though it's BYOB, at an illegal oration strip club, most people don't bring beer and vodka because they don't give a fuck about liquor or sharing. They just bring their penises. So we were really popular because I had the great idea. I was like, ladies, you guys want beer, you guys want vodka, let's share it with the ladies. And the strippers were like, this is the best. And we were like, this is the best. (laughs) So then it gets around that uh, Greg, it's his, I almost fucking said his real name. (laughs) 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 He'd be so mad. It gets around that it's Greg's bachelor party, okay? It's Greg's bachelor party, and everybody, the strippers, were like, oh, my God, it's his bachelor party. We have to give him a two-lady special dance. It's $250. Let's give him a two-lady special dance. Everybody clams up, and they're like, oh, we're not, you know, giving this two-lady special dance. Nobody wants to do it. And I'm like, oh, it's his bachelor party. We have to give him a special dance. You guys take cards? No, they don't, okay? So... (laughs) I'm trying to get the money together, do not have the money, but then they're like, well, we have an ATM machine, so I use the ATM machine to get him all the money that he needs for this special dance. Yes, my card ID was stolen, yes. (laughs) Of course it was, everyone. I'm in an illegal Russian strip club in an office building using an ATM, of course. It was stolen. But I was like, okay, let's get this dude hooked up with this dance. He goes off for this special dance. Now, yes, they called it a special dance. I'm not saying that it was sex. I don't know what it was, okay? I'm only using a fake name because I'm certain it was not sex. <laughs> so he goes away. And then the rest of the girls are like, hey, do you guys want uh, some private dances, Okay. So, I am not like a lap dance dude, okay? I Honestly, I'm like, why am I wasting time on this when I could be spending $20 on a woman who will totally have sex with me? Eddie is, I'm too drunk for a dance. He's just drunk. He's super drunk because he's trying to impress everybody. He didn't make it. Sean, super married. He's like, I don't know what his woman is doing to him, but he's like, shut down. He's like, absolutely not. (laughs) So the strippers are like disappointed, but then one of them gets a great idea. Hey, let's do a live sex show. Everybody on the bed. (laughs) So they all hop on the bed. It's like at least four or five women. They all hop on the bed. They're all like brandishing vibrators. And then they turn them on. They're like writhing in a pool of nakedness. And they go down with the vibrators. And they start... Well, I'm just going to call stirring it up. So they start stirring it up. It's just like... So it's happening on the bed. And we're all like watching while well, I watch it. And I'm, I'm, like, not a live sex show dude either. I'm not. So I try to, like, relieve the tension with a little joke. There's so many women writhing around on this bed. I turn to Sean, my married friend, and I'm like, huh, too many legs, right? Sean is a repressed married dude. He is in a trance and cannot hear me. (laughs) He's just staring down into the void of sex. His eyes are so wide open just trying to suck as many images as he can into his eyes for later so he can take it to a dark place and masturbate. (laughs) He's gone. So, so there's a sex show happening that I am not interested in. My friend, Greg, is, is, is uh, gone. Eddie's drunk. So I'm like, ah. So I go sit in a chair in the corner and start texting. Because that's what a real man does. Then, this woman comes over. Her name is Natasha let's say (laughs) and she's like hey do you want a free lap dance you look bored (laughs) and I'm like okay (laughs) now at the time, I thought I was just saying okay, but I think that accidentally she thought I was like some kind of baller because we came in with all this liquor. We shared it with all of the uh, dancers, and then I like got all this money out of the ATM and she thought I was the dude in charge. I think that's what she thought. I was not. I'm just a normal dude. She starts to lap dance, and then she's like, hey, you can finger me. And I'm like, Okay. (laughs) So we start making out. And I'm making out with her. I'm fingering her. Come on, it's a legal Russian strip club town. I don't know what the fuck is going on. It's all good. We're having a blast, I think. (laughs) So then at one point, she's like... You're very passionate. (laughs) Would you like to come to the back room with me? And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So she and I creep off to a back room, okay? We creep off to a back room. She and I are together. We are making out. We are taking each other's clothes off slowly, all right? and then, you know, we're about to get down to business, if business is fucking. Okay, so. (laughs) Suddenly, the door to the room we are in swings open. There's a giant Russian dude there, not the same dude at the door, just like his fucking twin brother, okay? He's there, three women are with him, and then two other dudes who i can only describe as sheiks okay cuz i I've, I've seen movies i don't really know what the correct word is but they're like suits they had turbans okay that's what my mind says sheiks they're about to have a sex party we were in their sex party room about to have our own two person sex party so the russian guy the russian fucking guard like pushes everybody behind him with like one fucking big meaty arm and he's like hey What the fuck is going on here? I look to Natasha. She does probably the worst thing that I think she could have done at that moment. She starts crying.
3: She's like, oh!
2: Then the Russian guy's like, hey! And he pulls out a big fucking knife. Okay? Like a knife knife, okay? Okay? Not like a knife like, hey, I wonder what mail I've got today. <laughs> no, like a knife like, let's see what your ribcage looks like. <laughs> and he pulls it out and he advances in such a way he's like, I've done this plenty of times. <laughs> Welcome. She starts crying even more and I'm like, oh my God, am I about to die? I start pulling my pants up because I'm thinking, if I'm going to die, I don't want to be one of those dudes found with his pants down in the middle of his ankles. (laughs) (laughs) Natasha jumps up in front of me and she's like, no, 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 please, please. He didn't
4: know. He didn't know.
2: I don't know what I didn't know. (laughs) But it did make him pause. My pants are up and I jump up and I'm panicking. And I'm like, what can I say to this guy so he doesn't fucking cut me in half? So I say to him, hey man, don't kill me for kissing a girl. (laughs) That's right, that's some shit right out of a John Hughes movie. (laughs) Don't kill me for kissing a girl. And he pauses and he puts away his knife and he goes get out of here and I do (laughs) I leave the room I leave Natasha I don't know if he fucking cut her into a million pieces I don't give a fuck (laughs) but I'm out I'm out, I run out to the main room fucking Eddie is gone Greg is gone, everybody's gone I'm just the last guy there I'm walking out of the strip club into the night It's like the sun is just starting to come up. There are a couple of strippers on the street who are just getting off work. And they see me as the guy who is like being the baller, making out with the stripper, going in the back room. They don't know what happened. But they're like, hey, do you want to come to breakfast with us? And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) No, I do not. Thank you, everybody. Bye bye. Hey, let's do a live sex show. Everybody on the bed.
4: how you guys doing so usually I tell a series of like short stories but I'm going to tell you two stories tonight that connect for a very weird reason like this is the tale of two virginities let's just put it like that so before I was uh, this I slept with a few dudes you know I fucked some guys I was figuring my life out figuring out who I was Trying to get the spice of life, you know what I mean? And so I lost my virginity to a guy, and I was very young. I was way too young to be even thinking about sex, and it was definitely like a peer pressure thing. Everybody in my neighborhood was like fucking, and all the girls were acting like they were enjoying it, even though now I know they weren't. But they were pretending like it was fucking awesome, and I was like, I need to get a piece of that action. So at 15, I picked a guy. And that's kind of first how you, I should have known, like, eh, maybe I'm not so straight. Because there was no love involved. I just picked a good specimen. Like, you get <laughs> sperm from the sperm bank. I was just like, he has all this stuff. He's got light eyes. He's light skin His hair is curly. This will do. This will work out. This should be great. He's the idea of attractive. And I picked him. And I was like, ah, we're going to do it. And I'm ready. So I picked a night I got myself all ready to go. I uh, made sure my underwear were very clean. Very I mean, there's only so much you're doing at 15. I made sure my underwear were clean. I put on a new sports bra, broke out out my best teen spirit, and I was like, I'm fucking doing this. It's gonna happen. And I get to his house and uh, we're making out awkwardly because that's what young people do because we're dumb and we don't know what's up. And he's like, oh, let's go to my room. And I'm like, cool. And we get in his room and we're kissing and he puts my hand on his penis and I think he had an erection to this day I'm not sure if it was an erection (laughs) to this day I don't know what it was (laughs) because I encountered plenty of dicks after that and it never measured up to the other one so I don't know if it was I don't know what the fuck but I touched it whatever I was a fucking a daring girl okay living my life and so he had me touch it and I touched it and I was like rubbing it like like, like that because I didn't know. I was just handling it. Just doing stuff. Just doing shit. You know what I mean? We're kissing. He licked my boobs but I was very flat chested so it was just weird as fuck. It was like he was licking like my rib cage. It was just all weird. I was flat chested and a very athletic young lady and uh but we were trying to make sex happen. We were two young people trying to fuck, you know what I mean? And as we were making out and I was groping his junk, I wasn't really that into it. So I was trying to find motivation. So I was thinking about guys that I liked at the time, other than him, like famous dudes, which is another big red flag, I realized now that every famous dude I liked was questionably a homosexual. Like I was very attracted to femininity in men. Like I liked Ryan Phillippe, and Justin Timberlake, which if they made out, you would think that was a lesbian couple kissing. Uh, and I had a big crush for Cisco from Drew Hill. I was like, I was all about... And he's obviously the gayest dude to ever be allowed to act like he likes women. Besides Prince, who's not gay. He's a god. But... um <laughs> Those are the dudes I was into. So I'm going through my Justin Timberlake, Cisco, Ryan Philippi Rolodex, mostly Ryan Philippi. cruel intentions images, trying to make this connection with this dude happen. And we get into it. Well, he gets into it. And he starts taking stuff off. And I'm timidly, like, taking off my own um, sweatpants. Because <laughs> I was a young dyke at heart and didn't know how to be sexy at all. So I had, like, sweatpants and a baseball jersey on. But it was back in the 90s where you could, like, get away with that and just be a tomboy. So it was cool. So I was taking all that stuff off. He was taking his stuff off. We were doing the heavy kissing and all that. And so he's like, you ready? And I was like, I guess. And he gets a condom, which now I'm pretty sure was too big. Because I don't think they make condoms for 15-year-old dicks. Because 15-year-olds aren't supposed to be fucking. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't an accurate size or anything. But he gets this thing, and he puts it on, and I'm like, all right, this is going to happen. And he puts it in, and I don't feel it. I have no idea if it's in or not in, but he's making faces like it's in, so I'm like, okay, it's in. And I'm just going to go with this energy, (laughs) which is how women learn how to have sex, which is so fucked up. And, and why we don't orgasm until like we're 40 because it's like this is what we learn too I'm just like oh. <laughs> I guess it's happening <laughs> oh, I didn't realize this was going to get so personal <laughs> and he goes and he puts it in and he's on top of me and uh, I don't know maybe 5 minutes maybe 20 I don't even know how much time has gone by but I'm getting bored. I'm getting, I'm physically, invisibly uninterested. At least I think I am, but he is so into it that I'm like, maybe to him he doesn't get it. I'm totally out of it. I don't care. But we had left the TV on on low because we needed some light, you know? And young people, we don't have candles. We don't have to be sexy. So we just let the glow of the TV <laughs> set the ambiance. And uh, he's on top of me and I peek over his shoulder to see the TV. And I realized that the NBA Finals were on. <laughs> East Coast Finals, big game. Reggie Miller, Jordan, it's now tied up. It's a game four. Miller had been accused of pushing off of Jordan the last game. This was Jordan's time for redemption. So at this point, I had locked the fuck in. So every time he would move, I would kind of adjust myself to see... The game over his shoulder and he thought that I was like thrusting myself towards him but I just wanted to see what the fuck was going on and it was the fourth quarter and it got really intense and Jordan had the ball it was tied up he was about to push off Miller to go for the fucking fadeaway and I reacted and he thought I was reacting to him but I wasn't I was reacting to Jordan which is how else I should have known I was very gay and not about penis but it took me a while to wake up and as that's going on I'm like this is fantastic and it's like the moment of climax for me and I guess for him was happening for two very different reasons his brother who just got out of jail walked in the room so his ex-con brother walks in very casually and he's like oh you beating that shit up huh that's what's up I just gotta get some stuff out the closet <laughs> and I'm gonna be out of here. And now, oh my God, I get it. You know, like I shouldn't be here. Touche. <laughs> it's fucking nice. <laughs> and as he's exiting the room, he stops, shows his brother a magnum condom, and he's like, yo, next time you gotta hit it with one of these. <laughs> and walks out as if he didn't realize we were both 15. You know what I mean? It was so fucking weird. And I leave and I feel terrible because I'm like, this just was, wasn't love. It wasn't the connection that I wanted. I, um, I throw away my brand new Calvin Klein underwear because now they're spotted because I've broken my flower. <laughs> and I just curl up in the bed and go like, my mom was right. You know, you gotta wait for love. You can't just go out here trying shit. I never called dude again. He's calling me like crazy. I'm avoiding him, which is a weird way to do the guy who took your virginity. And I'm pretty sure it's why he's gay now. So we both ended up <laughs> gay for very different reasons, I think. And life moves on. I, I keep it tight, as the saying goes, for the years to come. I decide I'm gonna wait for love. And I get a boyfriend, eventually a steady boyfriend in high school. And it's the right way. You know, it's the way young love should be hand jobs after school, Taco Bell dates, when we felt really fancy, chilies. You know what I mean? We did it all right. The movies, Hello Kitty presents on Valentine's Day. Quality, sweet, good love. And eventually we do it, and I still fucking hate it right? And now I'm really confused because I'm like, but I love him, so I don't get this. And it was the worst because I wanted to like it. Like, the first thing was just an experiment to know what my vagina does when a dick's inside it. That's really what I wanted. I was like, how does it work? I hear a lot about it. Let me experience it. But the second time was for love. And I still didn't like it. I was still very uncomfortable. And I went to my female friends because I really wanted to like it. So they always talk about how much they love sex. I was like, tell me what I'm doing wrong. I'm like, hey ladies, every time he gets on top of me, I'm uncomfortable, I don't know where to put my boobs. I'm moving them left, I'm moving them right. Do I just not move them? Do I let them hang? What's the rule with that shit? I'm unsure. He sweats on me a lot, it drips, it hits my face in places. I don't really appreciate that. Not a fan. He moves up and down a lot. Sometimes his balls hit my butt in a weird way that I don't like. I noticed that, it throws me off my rhythm. I I don't know, this is weird. And then he just comes and he goes to sleep and I am so unsatisfied in this process. What am I doing wrong? And they were like, bitch, you are in love. That's how it works. Get married together forever. And I was like, I don't think so. And then we broke up. So I go on my journey and I meet a girl and now this is the first girl that I'm like, maybe I like girls, which is like a huge awakening. Cause like for a long time you can go through life being like everybody likes Cheetos, so I like Cheetos. And then you taste like Cape Cod Jalapeno kettle chips and you're like, holy fuck. I didn't know shit could be this good when it comes to something that comes out of bag. Yes! so that's how it was when I met this girl. I was like, whoa, girl, and I'm liking her, I'm digging her, and I think, like, I want to fuck this girl. Huge! Because I didn't know how gay I was until I even met this girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, I walked around my life thinking, I'm going to marry a dude. We're going to have, like, monthly threesomes on a nice beach. It's going to be great. We'll both, like, do this weird threesome thing, but I'm going to still, like, be with a guy. And this was the first girl where I was like, maybe I can be with a girl. And it was a big deal, you know? How gay are you, Smart? Are you just, like, play with titties gay or are you eat pussy gay? Questions you have to ask yourself when you're about to step into this territory. What is it? Who are you? And I was like, nah, man, I'm eat pussy gay, I think. I think. I think I am. I think I can eat a pussy. I think I'm capable. I don't think I'm, you know, Maybe. But it was still weird and it was the night I was gonna do it. I decided this is the night I'm gonna eat this pussy. And I got her home and I had to really like mentally get myself in zone because I was still very nervous. You know what I mean? Very weirded out by it in some ways. Weirded out by myself and where I was willing to go. You know, a lot of in the mirror conversation in the bathroom just like, you got this. You are a champion. A lot of John Madden in the huddle. I'm gonna eat this pussy tonight, go, 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 go. We're fucking ready. I get myself geared up, come out the bathroom, ready to go, charged up. I'm going to take this pussy down like a fucking champion. I know I am, confident. And then she laid down on the bed, and she opened her legs, and I realized I had never seen a vagina from this perspective. Like, I've seen mine from this perspective. I had never seen it quite like that. I was not ready at all. (laughs) I was like, holy shit,
3: what is
4: that? I was kind of poking at it a little like, how is it even? I wanted to tell her to close her legs and like, let's just go to church and figure it out. Let's just pray and get ourselves together. And in that moment that I'm like freaking out under these covers, head in the cover, staring at a vagina, her uncle walks in the room. (laughs) Her uncle walks in the room because she lives in the basement of this house with her family. So her grandmother lives there. Her brother lives there. She lives there. Another uncle lives there. She's African. I should have said that up front. She's African. So everyone lived in one house. She lived in the basement of this house. Her uncle just got out of jail moved into the basement with her, cause he didn't have anywhere to go. The only available bathroom was in her room. So her just out of jail uncle bust in the room, and he's like, I need to use the bathroom, so y'all gonna have to hold on for a few minutes. At this point, I'm like, so just jail dudes are so used to group sex scenarios (laughs) that they don't even flinch at this shit they just proceed (laughs) so he's like I got to use bathroom you guys hold on he proceeds to go in the bathroom and take a two minute shit plop noises and straining noises the whole nine, a very audible two minute shit (laughs) and once again because I was having a panic attack I was like You know me well. All my sexual experiences have been balanced, at least my first times, by an ex con in urgent need of some bullshit. Y'all been cool, peace.
1: Oh, here comes trouble. Put your helmet on. We'll be heading for a fall Yeah, the whole thing's gonna blow And the devil's got my number It's long overdue He'll come looking soon Yeah, the whole thing's gonna blow Oh, here comes trouble These people talk too much Need to shut them up Yeah, I'd rather be alone Can you, can you feel that rumble All this borrowed time It's been running out It's the ending of the show
0: This is Risk. This is TV on the radio behind me now. And we just heard from Sam J. You can find her on Twitter at Sam J. Comic. Before that, we heard a little interstitial by our episode editor, Jeff Barr, made from uh, a sample of uh, Bob Marley and some vibrator sounds. Vibrators are something that you can get if you go to adamandeve.com. And for a limited time, you can get 50% off of just about any item. Listen, they have some great brands there. Lilo, Rocksoft, Fleshlight, Liberator, Lubes from Pure and Wet. The selection is just extraordinary. Top-shelf stuff, much more affordable stuff, and stuff that you just flat-out need, like condoms. So why not take advantage of it? When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free exclusive gift. That's a clit bumper, I can tell you right now. And to top it all off, they'll even throw in free shipping for your entire order. That's adamandeve.com. Use the offer code RISK at the checkout. adamandeve.com. The offer code is RISK. Our final story comes to us from one of our recent shows at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Here is Shane O'Neill. Shane is a writer and an improviser and a stand up comedian based here in New York City. Here's Shane now with a story we call Dr. Love.
5: I was 22 when I decided that I had a medical fetish. The way that I came to it, it was kind of a circuitous sort of like heady thing because technically I was out of the closet. Very technically I was sexually active. Like I could check, yes, sexually active if asked, but like it was more up here than down here. It was really based on like liberal arts. So I was like very sex positive, but I just wasn't having that much sex. And I was reading a lot of Dan Savage at the time. Woo! Yeah, so, like I said, a lot up here, not a lot down here. But part of it was, so I was technically out of the closet, but I really had mostly been with women. I'd been with a few men here and there. But I was like, I'm 22, and I've never had an STI screening. I'm going to go get an STI screening. And I was still on my parents' insurance, and I was like, you know, as sexually liberated as I thought I was, I wasn't ready to be like, I'm getting an STI screening. So I was like, I saved up money, and I paid out of pocket. But what I did is I went to one of those, like, urgent care facilities, which I didn't realize was like, really bad manners for medical stuff because they're there if like, you cut your finger when you're like slicing a bagel or like you have the flu and you need to go back to work but I went in and I was like hello, I need you to make sure everything's fine in my genitals and so the nurse was a little bit like okay, we'll, we'll see what the doctor says and the doctor was just fucking pissed he was like really didn't want to do it and he was kind of trying to talk me out of it Like he kept being like, well, how do you feel? do you feel okay? and I was like well, you know, 90% of STDs don't have any symptoms at all. Mm. Thank God he didn't ask for specifics about what like, being sexually active meant because he would have laughed and I would have left and whatever. And I never would have gone on this journey. I never would have gotten here. Um, like, he really was trying to talk me out of it. And finally he's like, okay, whatever, fine. Just take off your shorts. And so, I take down my pants, and this was totally unexpected to me, but in the time it took me to take my pants off, I'd gotten, like, a huge boner. It's like, a huge boner. But again, really in my own head about sexuality, and I was like, I'm sure that happens all the time. I'm not ashamed of my body. But I was a little bit freaked out. So then he kind of like... And then he reaches in, and he uh, grabs a hold of my scrotum, and as soon as he does, I fucking shoot a little bit of pre-cum. Not a lot, but like, like it was, it was visible, which again, not unheard of. I'm not ashamed of my body, but we were both pretty fucking surprised. He, after it happened, just went, are you fucking nervous? He didn't say fucking, he said, are you nervous? And I was like, yes, because I was. And still, I've been nervous a lot and I've never shot whatever. So I was like, what does it mean? What does it mean? Reading a lot of Dan Savage, all up in my head. And then he had a column in Savage Love about a medical fetish. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? Of course, I have a medical fetish. That's what's going on. So like, I just settled that in my head. I was like, well, you know, one day I'll find the right person with the right safe word. And we're just, you know, I was really ready for it. So I also, I was 22 and I just discovered like the men for men Craigslist um, pages. I was a little bit of a late bloomer. I talked to people, they were like, yeah, when I was 13, I did that, I was like, whatever. But uh, I found an ad, I was living in Madison, Wisconsin, and the ad said, the doctor is in. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I opened the ad and it's like, offering free, confidential, thorough medical screenings, specializing in the urinary tract. Your pleasure and happiness is my number one concern, totally confidential, whatever. And I was like, this is perfect. So I sent like a super um, sex positive email to him. I was like, I just want to lay out my boundaries and I don't do sounding and you can't use needles and no blood play and blah, blah, blah. And this is my safe word. And I also, I remember I was like, tell me what you think about this. And he was like, you know, it sounds like you might be interested in more fetish things, but this is more of just like a medical scene. And I was like, that's great. I'm so excited. So we set up a time. (laughs) We set up a time to meet at his house. And I was like, by the way, my best friend knows your address, and if I don't call him in two hours, he's calling the police, which was not true. But again, I knew that it sounded responsible. So I'd ask him all these questions about whatever, but when I got to his house and opened the door, I realized I'd forgotten to ask him, are you 125 years old? Because he was really, 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 really old. So he opened the door, and by the way, I'm a fan of older gentlemen, but like this guy was real old. So he answered the door and he had a cane and he was wearing a white lab coat, which I appreciated. <laughs> and a uh, stethoscope. Oh, and he had his name, well, I shouldn't say his name, even though I'm like 73% sure he's dead by now. <laughs> Let's say his name was like Dr. Bennington. sounded a lot like that. Uh, embroidered on his coat. So he's like, welcome to my office, please. <clears throat> he had a really bad cough. So he's like, well we'll just sit in the (coughs) the intake room and so his apartment is just like really full of stuff and it really hasn't been cleaned in a long time and everything is related to either like catholic art there's all these books that are like great catholic art or like beautiful cathedrals and actually it was cool he had like bits of altars that he had chopped up and had hanging from the ceiling which I actually found quite cool but also intimidating and then just gay porn everywhere just so much gay porn (laughs) I don't know if there are any homosexual gentlemen, but you guys remember Bellamy? Or is Bellamy still a thing? Yeah. So he had... <laughs> yeah. How can I forget? <laughs> so he had a Bellamy calendar, which really, because it was just like a twink squatting with like a big heart on, and then it was like, on the calendar was like, call Jan. Blah, blah. Like it was his real calendar. <laughs> and I was just like, who, who has a life where they can just have that be their calendar, so whatever. <laughs> So he starts the oral, the, not the oral, the, the um, <laughs> spoken part of the exam, and it goes on for a long time where he's just like, <clears throat> do you have a history of diabetes in your family? I was like, yes, I do. And I'm like, a <clears throat> history of heart disease in your family. <clears throat> I was like, yes, I do. One of the ones he asked, he was like, do you smoke? And at the time, I was a very heavy smoker, but I was in such denial, and I was so freaked out about it that I was like, no, I don't smoke, even though it was to like a fake doctor. <laughs> I was just so in the habit of it because I was so scared about insurance, but I was like, no, I don't smoke. So I don't know exactly how long the spoken intake section went, but it felt like a long fucking time. Like under an hour, but more than half an hour. And he was even like, we're almost done. And once we have this on file, we never have to do it again, which is cool. He was a verisimilitude. It was whatever. So then he was like, well, that concludes our intake procedures. Please Go up to my my office, and he points to his stairwell, and I was like, okay. And he's like, I'll see you up up there in my office, and I was like, I get it. And then and then he went, it's my bedroom, and I was like, it's <laughs> like I, I know <laughs> I know. So I go up the stairs, and I walked past his bathroom, and I like I really won't forget it because he had like a big enema bag hanging in his in his bath. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, that wasn't the part that freaked me out. Um, <laughs> um, what freaked me out was he had he had like seven giant butt plugs, um, which again mostly up here, whatever. And then he had like a suction cup realistic dildo, just like like stuck on the wall. And then there was a hand to God. There was a goddamn rubber ducky sitting on this, like a rubber ducky just sitting on. I was like, what is happening in this person's house? Oh, and so I go into his bedroom, his office. Um, Oh, and by the way, I realized that he had set me up because it was taking him like 20 minutes to get up the stairs. He's just like, just lurching. It's fine. We we all are going to age. And his bedroom had actual, there wasn't even like shelving. It was just floor to ceiling VHS porn, gay porn on one wall, which I was really astounded by. I remember one of them was called Brothers Peeing. And so I was like, oh, I assume it's like black guys, like brothers, but I looked and it was like two white guys, so I think it was just supposed to be like, hey, mom's gone, you wanna pee? I don't know what it was supposed to be. And he had a pile of dirty laundry, or I guess I assume it was dirty. I'm sorry, I don't mean to make assumptions about his life. But he had a pile of laundry and on top were like seven pairs of sequined like hot pants. So I still don't know what that was about. I don't know if he was dating a go-go boy or had had a roller disco birthday party or whatever, but... So at this point, I was kind of freaked out, and I was like, "Maybe this isn't what I wanted. Maybe I should just get out of here." And then I took a deep breath and I was like, "No, you're a medical fetishist. this is This is what you came for. It's not perfect. You're, just go through with it. But honestly, and like this was really the more present thing. I was like, and I mean, if things get weird, I can throw him down the stairs real easy because it was like real frail. So he comes in, and then he's like. Now we'll be beginning the physical portion of the exam Please disrobe And I'll be frank This was good This was kind of scratching the itch This is what I was Yes I want to role play A little medical power play So he takes my pulse And then he starts listening to my chest With his stethoscope And he's like Take a deep breath And I do And then he said You said you weren't a smoker (laughs) But it sounds like You have congestion in your lungs And so I turned like beet red And then I went Well I have a little cold I just have a cold And then he gave me, like, a, you're naughty look and said, you're supposed to tell your doctor if you have a cold. (laughs) So then eventually, as I imagined, like, he started doing a lot more tests in my genito urinary tract. So then he was like, I have a proposal for you. I'm running a new study. It's a psychological study about the sex response system. Entirely voluntary. But would you be interested? And I was like, yes, yes, I get it. I I know I'm supposed to. So he gives me a blindfold, like one of those like sleeping things, and I put it on, and he's like, here's how it works. I'm going to give you stimulation, and you tell me whether you prefer Stimulus A or Stimulus B. The first thing he does is he brushes my nipple with a blush brush, like a makeup brush. He's like, Stimulus A. <laughs> and then he pulls out a painter's brush and starts brushing my nipple. And then he's like, Stimulus B. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, by the way, he also, I forgot, he said, if you consent to the study, this visit will be completely free. (laughs) I was like, what? Uh, What? What? Um, So we did that for, again, I, I mean, who knows? It seemed like a really long time to have someone like, brushing you with paintbrushes, and he kept acting like as though it was an actual study where he's like well these results are very unusual and i'm like yeah, it's unusual that i showed up because i'm sure it doesn't happen but you know what i'm not going to lie i don't mean to talk smack i started enjoying myself and you know i was trying as hard as i could to get into this headspace and I was starting to really get somewhere and it was weird enough, but I was, you get sort of a nerd to it and it, you know things started intensifying and the stimulations got stronger and with more sundry things. The climax of it was he was stimulating my scrotum and then he said, and for the final part of this study, I'm going to use an instrument whom doctors rarely use. And then he sucked my dick. <laughs> And it wasn't bad. It really wasn't bad. <laughs> like I said, I, you know, I hadn't had much in the way of sexual contact. It's what I came for, etc. cetera. Um, but I do remember I was like looking up at his ceiling and looking at the water damage in the cracks on his ceiling. And I was like, this isn't a doctor's office. <laughs> and like, I appreciated the white lab coat, but like he wasn't a doctor. So we've finished and whatever and kind of immediately, like while I was staring at the ceiling, I was just like, you know, there are some things that I'm probably just never, it's just going to be in your head and it's better left just imagining it and pursuing it was a great idea. But like, it was a real lesson. Like some things are really, truly better in your head, which you couldn't have told me when I was 22. I was like, no, it's better if you do it, you do it, you always do it. But like, I really was like, no, this is something that is a great idea. But in reality, you know, everyone has Aging bodies and weird quirks and Bellamy calendars and whatever. Um, anyway, he finished. We had a great time. He, uh, he then pulled out a card that he gave me that was like, Dr. Bennington, M.D. And was like, I'll expect you at a checkup in at least uh, a month later. And I was like, absolutely. And I was like, ever. <laughs> Coda to the story. I don't think uh, I had a physical within the next year. No boners. No boners at physicals for the rest of my life. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, my sex life is a lot more down here than up here. So thank you so much.
0: all for this week's episode, folks. This is Coast Modern behind me now. And we just heard from Shane O'Neill. Now I'm going to list all the places. Risk is coming next on September 17th. We are back at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. On September 17th, we are also in Salt Lake City, Utah. Come on out, Salt Lake. We had such an amazing show last time. We're thrilled to be coming back. Then on September 22nd, for the first time ever, Risk will be in Nashville, Tennessee. I cannot wait to be in Nashville. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan and a huge Robert Altman fan, and I can't wait to be for the first time ever in the city that is so central. To the work of those guys. If you are from Nashville, let me know where should I go? What should I do with the time that I have there? On September 28th, we're back in Brooklyn at the Bell House. And on September 30th, for the first time ever, we'll be in Richmond, Virginia. The theme that night is juicy. And we're still taking pitches for that. So go to the submissions page at risk-show.com. New Orleans! We are there on November 11th. This will also be my very first time in the city of New Orleans. I have never set foot in that town either. I am so excited. Folks, the theme that night is Legends. Still taking pitches. On November 12th, we're in Baltimore. That's going to be one hell of a show. Come on out, Baltimore. The theme is Wounded. You can still pitch us for that one as well. And going a little bit further toward the end of the year here, there is our November 18th show in Chicago. Now, this is a part of Chicago Podcast Festival, right? We are thrilled to be a part of that for the first time ever. The theme that night is Frenzy. Frenzy on November 18th in Chicago. Send your submissions, your pitches to the submissions page at risk-show.com. Tell all your friends that they can find us online on Twitter and Facebook at Show. On Twitter, I'm at the Kevin Allison. And we teach storytelling also at thestorystudio.org. Whether you'd like to learn storytelling for the stage or just for creative personal exploration or for your career. Storytelling is a skill you can turn to in a job interview or a performance review or at a client lunch or when you have to speak during a staff meeting or when you have to speak in front of a conference or when you have to craft a whole campaign or even just draft an email that's going to stand out from the rest. You are telling stories already, but with our help, you can learn to tell them far more skillfully more emotionally, more compellingly. You will be heard and remembered. Look for us at thestorystudio.org. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk.
2: Hey, you can finger me. Okay. Hey, what the fuck is going on here? DON'T FINGER MY GIRLFRIEND!